Well, guys, uh, I'm so excited. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We're excited. I hope that worship uh, this morning just kind of gets you in that Christmas spirit, beginning to think about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Advent is, is a special holiday that the, the global church celebrates throughout the world. And, and what it is, it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve. And uh, each of those four Sundays, the church globally uh, gathers and, and we light candles. And, uh, and we talk about kind of the same thing. So all over the world, uh, people are gathering to do what we're doing this morning. And, and these four Sundays represent four things. Uh, and, and some people do it a little different, but, but here uh, we focus on uh, four things. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And then Christmas Eve, we'll light our final candle, which is the Christ candle to remind us of Jesus' birth. And so uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to celebrate Advent, known as the season of waiting. But what does the word mean? Uh, Advent uh, literally uh, means coming. That's what it means. It's, it's coming. And, and so uh, when we think biblically about Advent, it, it's this thought of, of waiting for the coming of, of God's promised one, the Messiah. And, uh, and for us, now, that's, that's what we said. We're, we're, we're waiting for the coming of the celebration of his birth. But as Christians, we're also waiting for a second coming, for a second coming. And so this is really kind of a big deal. And, uh, and so this morning, our first candle, which we'll light at the end of our service, uh, is, is the hope candle. But, but what, is, what is hope, really? It's kind of what I thought about this week. Really, what, what is hope? And so I wanted to give you a really good, I, I think, biblical definition of, of hope, and this is taken from a couple of places, kind of kind of mixed together, Bible dictionaries and some uh, footnotes in, uh, in uh, Grudem's book, Systematic Theology. And, and this is what it says. It says, hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. Say that little last part. It's the confidence that what God, God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what he will do in the future. I like that. I like that. And, and, and biblically, guys, I would say that that hope, um, that, that uh, confidence that what God has done in the past is, is, is uh, guarantees that we'll participate in what he's going to do for us in the future, uh, that biblically that's really founded in four things. Right, And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, first and foremost, I would say this to you, is that uh, our hope is grounded or it's based in what God has promised. It, it's based in what God has, has promised. Have you ever had someone um, break a promise to you? Anybody ever experienced it? If you're married, that's happened, right? Come on. Uh, if you have children or if you've been a child, which you're here, you've been a child, that's happened, right? Uh, mom or dad said to you, I, I get this all the time, my daughter, uh, Dad! Yeah, that's not what you said you were going to do. And I was like, well, it's time for bed. It's just the way it is. The movie's not, you don't get to watch the end. You, you dawdled too long. It's time to go to bed. You can fish it. But dad, I get it all the time, right? And so, um, and she takes that, that's, that's offensive. But you promise. I get that a lot. When, when we um, have experienced that, and, and hopefully on a, you know, like a deeper level than that, um, it causes hurt. It causes pain, Right? And, and, and sometimes when we think about um, God, we think about his promises, we're kind of afraid that he'll be a lot like the people we experience on earth. But the Bible says that that's abs actually impossible for God to do. That, that God's not one that can break his promises. I, I love uh, what, what it says in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses uh, here is, is speaking. He says, the Lord, uh, 
had His heart set on you, speaking of Israel. And He chose you, not because you were more numerous than all the people, for, for you were actually the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to you uh, or to your ancestors. He brought you out, uh, that's of Egypt, with a strong hand, and He redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know that the Lord your God is God. Get this, this is His, his name. The faithful God who keeps His gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commands. Again, God says this in Numbers. It says, God is not a man that He might lie or a son of man that He might change His mind. Does He speak and not act as He promise and not fulfill? And, and what the Bible would proclaim is this, is God, God actually in His nature, God, God is truth, right? Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, shows up and, and he says in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The, the truth, that's, that's the nature of God. God is truth. And because God is truth, it's impossible for him to lie. Which means, we talk about hope. Hope is, is this confidence that the way that God has acted in the past gives, gives me this belief he's going to show favor to me in the future. And so my hope begins. It's founded on these promises of God because God can't lie. So what did, what did God promise? Now, it's, it's Christmas season. It's Advent season. So I'm just going to pick a couple. I could, have, I could have put probably 50 or 60 of these this morning. We'd just, we just skip Sunday school. We'd probably skip lunch. We'd go through. I, I just picked two because I, I want to I track with you. I'm not just the promise, but also the fulfillment. So Isaiah 7, 14, as we uh, prepare our hearts for this Christmas season, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel, right? Now, this promise specifically goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, uh, the fall of man. Uh, when sin enters the world and God, uh, God then separates Adam and Eve uh, from himself and from the tree of life and, 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 and he says death is now going to enter the world. But God makes a promise at that very moment that death enters the world. He says, but one is coming, a descendant of, of, of you, a descendant of Adam and Eve, and he will crush the head of this serpent. And so this promise for Messiah is birth on, on the worst day in human history. And the Bible tracks that promise throughout Scripture. And we begin to learn more and more about it as God reveals himself uh, to his people. And so he says, uh, this Messiah, this Savior, the one who will crush the head of the servant, he's going to be born of a virgin, right? And, uh, and his name will be Emmanuel, which is God with us, by the way. So, so this child... Uh, this Savior, this Messiah, the one that will crush the head of the serpent, is, is going to be a descendant of Adam and Eve, but he's also going to be God. That's what God proclaims in the book of Isaiah. Now, what about uh, the book of Micah? Just one more promise I'll point out. This Messiah is going to be born in a place. and says, Bethlehem, Ephratah. Now, you're small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origins from antiquity from ancient times. And so this Messiah, the Savior, is going to be born in Bethlehem, right? Uh, he, he says his origins are from antiquity. Uh, that, that, that word actually means in the Hebrew, it just means from that which is before. This one that's going to be born is actually from that which is before. And then he says from ancient of times. It's actually a, a phrase which is a title in the book of Daniel, ancient of days, which is a title for God himself. And so God promises that one is coming 
a solution to the sin problem. He's going to crush the head of the enemy, the devil. He's going to be born of a virgin, but his origins are from ancient of days because he will be none other than God himself, right? So we, we begin here. You say, well, where is, what, what is hope about? Well, hope for Christians is about trusting the promises of God. That's, that's where the foundation begins, right? The promises of God. But, but our hope isn't just found in the promises of God. It's also based in, in what God has actually done, or the actions of God, right? Our hope is based on what God has done. So I, I just want to track these two promises with you this morning, just, just for a second, right? So the first was from Isaiah. Uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and have a son and, and name him Emmanuel. And here's what the Gospel of Luke says, Luke 1, uh, 30 through 33. It says, the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? Yeah, we read over that last little verse. Sometimes we don't like to talk about sex in church. Uh, Mary did. She said, wait a second, hold up. I, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. What is God doing? God's showing us that Mary, who has Jesus, did so. She was a virgin. God's just fulfilling His word. This is what God has, has done. What, what about that second promise in Micah 5, 2, that this Savior would be born in Bethlehem? Well, Luke 2, 4 through 6 says this, says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family and the line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, right? For her to give birth. And again, uh, this is what God has done. So God promised a Savior. Uh, God promised that this Messiah, this Savior, would be born of a virgin. That happens with Mary. The angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, uh, you're going to get pregnant. She says, wait a second, I've never had sex. He says, no, that's cool. God's Spirit is going to come over you, and, and you're going to be the mother of God's baby. She's like, Whoa. And where are they going to have the baby? Well, remember, there's a, there's a census, and, uh, and the, each one has to go to the town that he's from. And, and so Joseph, uh, who's engaged to Mary, he goes, goes home, and, and, and he goes to Bethlehem. And, and that, of course, is where Mary has Jesus. And, and why does all this happen? Well, we find that in the book of John. Famous verse, John 3.16. Happens because God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. I want to talk about that. For God so loved the world, He gave. He gave. This is what God has done. You say, as a Christian, what is my hope founded in? Well, my hope is founded in the promises of God. It's in what God has said, but it's also founded in what God has done. God not only said that a Savior was coming, but He actually sent that Savior. And that Savior was His own Son, His one and only Son, who came and lived the perfect life that I couldn't and died the death that I deserve. This is what God has done for us. Because of that, we can have hope in tomorrow. We can have hope that God's Word is true, which really brings us to the third point, which is the true foundation of our hope, and that is Jesus Himself, right? That our hope is ultimately in Jesus. So all of it, 
Uh, everything that you'll read uh, as you enter into Advent, we've got books we want you to take home as a family, have readings, all of it. All of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, all of it points to one person, and his name is Jesus, right? Jesus is God's solution to our sin problem. He's our only hope. Uh, that's why Paul writes this uh, in the book of Timothy. Anyone ever wonder about Paul's letters in that opening sentence or two? Uh, anyone ever read past those? Come on, be honest. You're like, oh, this is a boring intro, right? So much rich truth in, in Paul's little intros. And so don't miss this little one-liner that he writes to Timothy. First uh, Timothy 1.1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of, ready, Christ Jesus our hope. Christ Jesus our hope. Now, this is significant. I don't want you to miss this. Paul, who, who is Paul, right? Well, Paul's name was Saul. And Saul was the Pharisees of Pharisees. He's the most Jewish dude you would ever meet. Now, the Jews have all been longing and waiting for the Messiah. They have studied all of the promises of God, all of the scriptures that talked about a coming king. Uh, uh, and, uh, they thought he was going to be political. They thought he was going to rescue them and, and, and rise uh, Israel to national power. Uh, but that was not God's plan. Remember, Jesus shows up and, and he says, man, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. He rejects political power. He says, I've come to be a servant to all. And if you don't let me serve you, you can have no part with me. Right? So, so Paul, who uh, as, after Jesus dies and, and is sent into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes... Paul becomes this great, he saw at that point, he becomes this great persecutor of the church. He's persecuting all the Christians all the way until Jesus himself appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And his life is transformed. And so here's what I'm saying to you. Paul, more than anyone else, learned firsthand that Jesus was exactly who the scriptures spoke about. That he was God's solution to our sin problem. And, and Paul was radically saved. His name changed. He became uh, the light to the Gentiles. He had a mission from God. And uh, what Paul proclaimed was what Jesus himself proclaimed. Right? And a lot of people out there say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, yeah? Have you read the book of John? Because this is what he says to the woman at the well in John 4, uh, 24 through 26. It says, God is spirit. He's speaking to her. About, uh, she says, well, wh where, will we, where will we worship? Some say this and some say that. And Jesus says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who's called the Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, ready? I, the one speaking to you, am he. Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that all the scripture speaks about. I'm the thing that God is doing. So, our hope is founded in what God has promised. It's founded in what God has done. It's founded in God's only Son, who is Jesus. And there's one other biblical truth we need to examine. It's this last one, that our hope lives in us, and we will live in glory with Him. Our hope lives in us, and we will live in glory with Him. Now, Jesus uh, didn't stay dead, did He? Right? Jesus came, he was born of that virgin, then he lived a sinless life, and he died uh, on the cross for our sins, the death that we deserve, but he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in the grave. On the third day, he, he rose again, and he appeared over a period of 40 days to hundreds of people. 
To hundreds of people he appeared. So many so that Paul at one point says, if you don't believe me, ask anyone. Ask anyone. Everyone knows that Jesus was really alive again, right? And, and, and so uh, he, he, he rises from the dead, he appears, and then he says this. He says, I've got to go. I've got to go away. And people are like, no, man, you just came back. You can't go away. He goes, no, you don't understand. If I don't go away, I can't send what's better for you. And they're like, what could be better than you? And he says, well, well my spirit. And so Jesus ascends into heaven before their very eyes and He tells them to wait. And then He sends His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to them. And, and, and this is crazy. That as they receive His Spirit, now, now Jesus, this is what's better. He said, it's better that I go away. And what's better than Christ with you? What's well, Christ in you? So Paul writes this in Colossians. He's trying to figure out all this and work through it, um, process it with the people of God. He said, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of His mystery. This is the glorious wealth of His mystery, ready? Which is Christ in you, the hope. This is our, our, our word this morning. This is what we're thinking about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Last week, Franklin did a good job geeking out on language. So, uh, Frank, let me geek out on a little language with you. That word glory is the Greek word doxa. It's where we get our, our word doxology, which is like liturgical or, 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 or planned praise of God. It literally means the most exalted state. And if you were to get down into the nitty-gritty uh, when it references the Christian life, this word uh, means the glorious condition of blessedness into which it is appointed and promised that true Christians shall enter after their Savior returns from heaven. It's the glorious place that we will enter after Jesus comes back. That's glory, right? Paul writes, Christ in you, the hope. Of glory. Our hope lives in us, and we will live with Him, right? And we'll live with Him. And they, they, these are the Christian principles from, for which hope comes from. So, what do we do with that? Just a quick understanding. Uh, first and foremost, I think that calls us to uh, make sure that we put, we are putting all of our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone, right? That we're putting all of our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, uh, I know you guys are weary of your pastor talking about this, but y'all, we are putting our hope in too many places that we shouldn't, right? And we, we put our, our hope into politicians. We put our hope into systems. We put our hope into wealth. We put our hope into health. We put our hope into our spouses and into our children. Uh, I hate to tell you, but all of those things can let you down. In fact, if you put your hope into any one of those things too much and, and, and you, you make that an ultimate thing, when that thing is taken away from you, you lose what we're talking about this morning, which is hope. You become hopeless. Uh, there's stories of uh, last time we had a great financial collapse of, of men that had all of their hope and all of their identity was placed in their wealth. And when the markets crashed, CEOs and heads of companies took their own lives like it was going out of style almost, it seemed. Why? Because that was all they had. That had become their identity. That thing had become an idol in their life. When we misplace our hope, and that misplaced hope lets us down, we begin to feel hopeless. What I'm saying to you today is there's only one place that, that will, only one source that will never run out on you. Right? His name is Jesus. That's where we need to place our hope, okay? So that's the first thing. Make sure that's where your hope is placed. Listen, I love my wife, and I love my kids, and I love this church, and I love my job. But ultimately, 
all of those things can fail me. Only Jesus never will. All right? So we've got to get that. Second thing, uh, guys, as we talk about Advent, it's this season of waiting. Ready? We have to walk in faith as we wait for God to act. We have to walk in faith as we wait for God to act. So, so biblically, um, we kind of want, the Bible says we're supposed to teach the whole of Scripture. So here's the whole of Scripture, right? Uh, some people get confused when they hear the word waiting, and they think, well, I have to spend my whole life just in a prayer closet just like this. Uh, and we do nothing. We just wait and wait and wait and wait, and God has to do all the acting. And, and what, is, what is my responsibility? So there's some people that are that way. There are other people that are the opposite way. They're like, I'm just going to run ahead of God, I'm going to do everything it's all my job and and listen what i'm saying is scripture always calls us to this beautiful tension and here's the tension of the people that were waiting for god hebrews 11 it's called i call it the hall of fame of faith by, by faith abraham what he went when god told him to go by faith he believed that he would be the father of nations by faith he raised the knife Right? By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, and it goes by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. What did all of those people have in common? What were they all commended for? Listen, they were all waiting. They were all waiting. But while they were waiting, what were they doing? They were walking out their faith. So what does that have to do with me? Well, friends, where are we? It's not just about Christmas. We are literally in a season of waiting. We are here and we are waiting on Jesus' return. That's what we're doing. We're literally waiting for Jesus to come back. And you say, what do I what do, I do right now? I'm, I, I'm, I'm so sick of the world and everything that's going on. And, and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And I'm worried, what, what do I do? Well, do I just sit here and cry? What, what do I do? Well, we do what the saints have always done, friends. We do what we know God has told us to do. We live the life He's called us to live. We, 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 we talk to people about him like he's told us to do. What I'm saying is while we wait for Jesus' second coming, we have to be the people of God he's called us to be. We've got to love him, we've got to love others, and we've got to make him known. Daily, we have to do something that advances his kingdom. It's what we need to be about. We have to be those people. And that's what hope is really all about. And that's why we light um, the first candle of Advent this morning. I've got one scripture I'm going to read to you um, from the book of Romans, Romans 5, uh, 5, and it says this. It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so this morning, um, we celebrate Advent by lighting the very first candle, the candle of hope. And uh, as we do, I, I hope that your hope will be focused in the one place that it should, and that is Jesus himself. Would you guys pray with me, please? King Jesus, we remember. We light this candle today in remembrance of this truth that you, that you are our only hope. And that we can trust you. We can stand on what God has promised. We can stand on what God has done. But our lives must be built on you, God's only son. And if it is, we know this to be true, that you will live in us, and one day we will live with you. Be praised in all that we think, say, and do this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.